Perioperative Pre-Warming, Heat Transfer and Physiology by Albert Ben-Durin Abstract To appreciate the strategy of pre-warming, perioperative personnel should have a basic understanding of the physics of heat transfer and the thermoregulatory pathophysiology of anesthesia. The dominant cause of post-induction hypothermia is anesthesia-related redistribution of heat within the body. The role of cutaneous heat loss is minimal. Physiologic thermoregulatory system changes that occur in response to anesthesia make it almost impossible to reverse intraoperative hypothermia. However, pre-warming is an effective strategy to prevent post-induction hypothermia from redistribution because it creates a temporary excess of heat in the body's peripheral thermal compartment. Perioperative nurses should implement active and passive pre-warming strategies in accordance with the warming devices at their facility and available time. This article focuses on two major topics necessary to understand pre-warming, the effect of anesthesia on post-induction thermoregulation and the thermodynamic conditions that successful treatment strategies must exploit to produce desired outcomes. Researchers conducted much of the fundamental experimental work to understand the physics and physiology of pre-warming in the early 1990s. In most cases, repeating these experiments would be unethical. For example, re-exposing volunteer participants or patients to an unnecessary research risk. Therefore, several of the citations in this article are from that earlier era. A comprehensive systematic review that ranks contemporary pre-warming outcomes, based on the fundamentals explained in this article, is planned for future publication. Normal Thermoregulation To maintain its viability, the human body has a highly integrated sensory and effector network able to sustain an individual's core temperature within a very narrow range, despite enormous changes in ambient temperature and humidity, transcutaneous heat transfer, radiative heat exposure, and skeletal muscle workloads. To maintain normal core temperature, the thermoregulatory system works to balance the body heat lost with the body heat gained via metabolism, skeletal muscle work, or interactions with the ambient environment a condition known as heat balance. Normally, core body temperature is one of the most rigidly controlled homeostatic variables in humans because an internal temperature only slightly higher than normal can result in rapid death, and an internal temperature only slightly lower than normal can result in substantial disability and morbidity. In extreme conditions, individuals initiate an action For example, seek shelter, don clothing, rest, exercise, hydrate, to minimize thermal discomfort. However, in typical environmental temperatures, or when these actions are inadequate, the thermoregulatory system exercises autonomic, that is, without conscious effort, control over physiological responses, including shivering, sweating, metabolic rate, and cutaneous blood flow to re-establish heat balance. Remarkably, the autonomic control of the core body temperature is so effective that healthy individuals can maintain a viable core temperature for extended periods of time, 
In environmental temperatures from near zero degrees Celsius, 32 degrees Fahrenheit, to 50 degrees Celsius, 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Whenever possible, individuals adjust conditions in their external environment to achieve heat balance. The thermal discomfort that individuals feel when too warm or cold drives changes in behavior to accelerate or limit heat loss from peripheral thermal compartments. For example, arms, legs. In the absence of anesthesia, awake patients generally establish heat balance through behavioral, for example, seek thermal comfort, and autonomic processes that prevent storing additional heat in the extremities. During pre-warming, perioperative personnel should control conditions and prevent patients from sweating or initiating cooling activities, because the heat lost from the evaporation of sweat. 2.43 kilojoules per gram is far greater than the heat transferred from any type of external warming system. Patients' responses to thermal discomfort are an essential consideration for the practical implications of pre-warming. Most individuals can easily tolerate a modest heat imbalance if it does not last for more than approximately 60 minutes. However, longer periods of warming can be counterproductive. And lead to patients feeling uncomfortably warm or hot. It may be difficult for perioperative personnel to appreciate just how strictly temperature is controlled compared to other homeostatic variables, such as pH, partial pressure of arterial carbon dioxide, blood pressure, sodium, and potassium, until they consider the standardization of the normal range of each variable. Figure one illustrates the standardized values, which have been determined using the unstandardized values in Table one and the formulas listed in Sidebar one, for each variable and plotted on the same scale. It is interesting to note that among the homeostatic variables shown on the graph, temperature is the most strictly controlled and is maintained at the higher end of the normal range. The thermoregulatory effect of anesthesia. Immediately after the induction of general anesthesia, a patient's core temperature decreases far too rapidly to be caused solely by heat loss from the skin. In fact, cutaneous heat loss increases only slightly or not at all, and post-induction metabolic heat production decreases approximately 22%. percent. Figure two. Shows the typical three-phase post-induction decrease of an adult patient's core temperature without perioperative warming. Different physiological responses to anesthesia cause each phase of post-induction core cooling. The action of anesthetics on peripheral vasomotor tone causes the first phase and results in the redistribution of warm blood from the core thermal compartment into the cooler peripheral thermal compartment. The resulting decrease in core temperature can reach rates of negative 1.6 degrees Celsius, negative 2.88 degrees Fahrenheit, per hour, which is very difficult to reverse with external warming, because the temperature of any warming system needed to counteract this change would be dangerously hot. The second phase represents a combination of heat redistribution and heat loss that exceeds metabolic heat production. The rate at which core temperature decreases in this phase is approximately negative one degree Celsius, negative one point six degrees Fahrenheit, 
per hour. The third phase represents the reestablishment of a heat balance where core temperature no longer decreases. However, the heat balance occurs at a substantially reduced core temperature. From 1980 until the mid-1990s, clinical evidence suggested core-to-peripheral thermal compartment heat redistribution played a major role in the development of post-induction hypothermia. But the individual contributions from redistribution and heat loss were unknown until 1995. Most anesthetic and anxiolytic medications interfere with vasomotor tone and reduce the systemic vascular resistance by vasodilation. The loss of vasomotor tone causes a redistribution of warm blood within the core thermal compartment to the cooler peripheral thermal compartment. In 1995, researchers of two seminal studies determined the individual contributions to redistribution and heat balance in both general and neuraxial, for example, epidural, anesthesia. Figure 3 summarizes the findings of these two studies and shows the effects that changes in heat balance and redistribution have on core temperature after both types of anesthesia. General anesthesia has a much larger hypothermic effect than neuraxial anesthesia, but redistribution is the dominant early effect of both. Because redistribution, rather than heat loss, is responsible for the majority of instances of early post-induction hypothermia, two important therapeutic consequences have emerged. 1. Not every method of post-induction warming can overcome the rapid decrease in core temperature. And 2. Patients undergoing shorter procedures, for example, no more than one hour after anesthesia induction, are at greater risk for post-operative hypothermia than patients undergoing procedures that are longer than one hour. Therefore, pre-warming is an essential strategy for preventing early post-induction hypothermia because it addresses both consequences. Although preoperative patient warming may appear to be a very simple therapy, perioperative nurses can use it to address a specific clinical problem. The physics and physiology of perioperative warming are quite complex, and a full appreciation of the topic requires a basic understanding of both. Basic Physics of Patient Warming The scientific basis for patient warming involves several elements, including temperature, energy, power, and thermodynamics. Temperature is a property that expresses the amount of heat contained in a substance and is measured with a thermometer. In the United States, Temperature is commonly expressed in degrees, Celsius or Fahrenheit. A Celsius degree is 1.8 times larger than a Fahrenheit degree. Although the use of Fahrenheit units is decreasing in the United States, both units are still used, sometimes in the same healthcare facility, and nurses should be able to convert measurements from one scale to the other. The normal upper limit for core human body temperature is approximately 37.2 degrees Celsius, 98.9 degrees Fahrenheit. Energy Energy is a fundamental property of nature that provides the capacity to do work or change the temperature of matter. Energy can be expressed in a variety of units, including calories, food calories or kilocalories, that is, 
1,000 calories, or British thermal units, BTUs. Another common unit for expressing energy is the joule. Because of its size, it is more often listed in kilojoules. One kilojoule equals 10 to the third power joule, and megajoules. One megajoule equals 10 to the sixth power joule. For example, the energy unit used in the United States to bill for electricity is the kilowatt hour, which is equivalent to 3.6 millijoules. The absolute capacity of the peripheral thermal compartment in a 70 kilogram man is approximately 600 kilojoules. However, in most pre-surgical patients exposed to normal room temperatures, for example, 21 degrees Celsius, 69.8 degrees Fahrenheit, the peripheral thermal compartment is already partially charged, and only approximately 150 kilojoules of additional heat are needed before induction to offset the hypothermic effect of general anesthesia. Power Power is the rate at which energy is transferred. In the United States, common units for power are horsepower and BTUs per hour. Watts is the modern base unit for power and is equal to one joule per second. A seated adult loses approximately 160 watts via heat loss to the environment. However, an awake, lightly clothed supine adult only loses approximately 100 watts in normal OR conditions. This reduction in heat loss may occur because of substantially lower skeletal muscle heat generation. Depending on the type of blanket and its placement, forced air warming, FAW, systems can transfer an additional 2.6 to 95 watts of heat to the wearer. Thermodynamics Thermodynamics is the study of how energy interacts with objects in the physical world and is based on four laws. The second law of thermodynamics is the most relevant to patient warming and indicates that heat cannot spontaneously move from a colder to a warmer body. The consequence of this law is that the temperature of a patient warming system must be greater than the patient's body temperature to transfer heat to the patient. Pre-warming to prevent intraoperative hypothermia Without supplementation from pre-warming, the dominance of redistribution may result in difficulty establishing normothermia through any method of intraoperative transcutaneous warming during surgical procedures that last one hour or less. Figure 4 illustrates the challenge of maintaining intraoperative normothermia in non-pre-warmed patients. Results of a comparison study on the effectiveness of an FAW system versus a conductive warming system showed that the FAW system transferred approximately twice the amount of energy as the conductive warming system. However, the core temperatures in both patient groups were nearly the same for approximately the first hour after induction. Only after the effect of redistribution dissipated did the core temperatures begin to increase at different rates that corresponded to the markedly different heat transfer rates of each system. However, by the time that patient core temperatures begin to increase, the surgeon may have completed the surgical procedure. Core temperatures in non-pre-warmed patients may therefore be well below the normal range, regardless of the efficiency of any warming system. 
Pre-warming is a therapeutic strategy intended to minimize hypothermia caused by post-induction redistribution. Pre-warming is best understood via the two-compartment thermoregulatory model, which includes the core thermal compartment, comprising the major thoracic, abdominal, and central nervous system organs, and peripheral thermal compartment, primarily comprising cutaneous tissues surrounding the core and the arms and legs. The boundary between the two compartments is established by the vasomotor tone of the vascular system. Under normal conditions, the thermoregulatory system rigidly controls the temperature within the core thermal compartment. However, the temperature of the tissues in the peripheral thermal compartment are always cooler than those in the core thermal compartment and may vary considerably depending on conditions. For example, environmental. Nurses can consider the peripheral thermal compartment an energy reservoir that can be drained or filled with heat as needed to help counteract changes in the internal or external heat load of the body. The legs, feet, arms, and hands comprise the vast majority of the peripheral thermal compartment and together have an absolute energy capacity of approximately 600 kilojoules. Figure 5 shows the heat loss and core temperature relationships between pre-warmed and non-pre-warmed volunteer patients. Pre-warming substantially reduces heat loss before induction, but core temperature can remain normal. After induction, the heat loss in pre-warmed participants increased dramatically because of the elevated skin temperature. However, core temperature remained within the normal range for the duration of the study. In contrast, the rate of heat loss remained nearly constant in the non-pre-warmed volunteer patients, but core temperature decreased dramatically after induction. Practical Application Pre-warming can completely prevent the decrease in core temperature as a result of redistribution, and when combined with intraoperative warming, enables the maintenance of consistent perioperative normothermia. With an understanding of the pertinent physiological and physics involved with perioperative heat loss, nurses should be able to develop a practical strategy for pre-warming adult patients. The goals for pre-warming are to store approximately 200 kilojoules of heat as rapidly as possible in the peripheral thermal compartment at a rate that does not provoke intolerable thermal discomfort or sweating and to maintain most of that heat until induction. Because minimal additional heat can be stored in the extremities when a patient is thermally comfortable, neither perioperative personnel nor patients should adjust pre-warming systems to produce thermal comfort. Therefore, successful pre-warming therapy may require the preoperative nurse to manage the therapy to achieve five requirements. Sufficient intensity, sufficient coverage, sufficient duration, sufficient continuity, and prevention of sweating. Sufficient intensity. Perioperative personnel should operate the pre-warming system at a power setting, that is, airflow and temperature, that both attenuates heat loss from the skin and transfers heat into the patient. Thermal comfort cannot be the purpose of pre-warming. Long-term thermal comfort indicates that excess heat is not being stored in the peripheral thermal compartment. Because various types of warming systems store heat at substantially different rates, 
perioperative personnel should select and operate a warming system that can store and maintain an adequate amount of heat in the patient during the allotted time. If the pre-warming time is short, for example, less than 30 minutes, personnel should select a warming system that covers the most skin surface and can be operated at a high power setting. If the hands and feet cannot be warmed actively, personnel should cover the extremities with a passive insulator, for example, blanket, to minimize heat loss. Sufficient coverage. The amount of skin surface exposed to the warming system directly correlates with the effectiveness of the insulation and heat transfer. When compared with other types of warming coverlets, for example, lower body, upper body, underbody blankets, full body blankets perform more effectively because they insulate and expose the entire anterior surface of the body to heat. In addition, the arms, legs, hands, and feet are substantially more effective heat receptors because of their much greater surface area to mass ratio, for example, 2.9 to 5.2 times greater, relative to the rest of the body. Supine unanesthetized patients in OR conditions, that is, 20.6 degrees Celsius, 69.1 degrees Fahrenheit, produce approximately 100 watts when at rest, and almost any type of simple passive insulation applied over the entire body can reduce heat loss by approximately 30%. Figure 6 shows that available insulating materials can reduce heat losses from the body to rates between 60 and 74 watts. One interesting dynamic is the rapid decay of the insulative benefit of a heated cotton blanket in 60 minutes, and nurses may need to replace such blankets with another heated blanket. Sufficient duration. The goal of pre-warming is to both prevent heat loss and transfer heat to the patient, resulting in the storage of excess heat in the peripheral thermal compartment. The energy target for pre-warming an average 70-kilogram adult is approximately 200 kilojoules, and the amount of time required to reach that target depends on the insulating value and the power of the warming system. However, pre-warming for even very short durations, for example, 10 minutes, can store enough energy in the patient's body to minimize intraoperative hypothermia. Sufficient continuity. During periods involving discontinuation of active warming, such as when transporting the patient from the preoperative area to the OR, the peripheral thermal compartment can lose a substantial amount of stored heat. Even with adequate pre-warming intensity and duration, an uninsulated patient can lose a substantial amount of heat from the time that pre-warming ends to when anesthesia induction begins. Because skin temperature is much higher than air temperature and the mean radiant temperature of the OR, uninsulated pre-warmed patients lose heat faster than non-pre-warmed patients. Therefore, it is critical to insulate patients, especially their hands and feet, when it is not feasible to perform active warming. Prevention of sweating the thermoregulatory systems of unanesthetized volunteer patients actively resist the addition of excess heat to the peripheral thermal compartment. Fortunately, 
Sweating is not the body's first response to heat imbalance, and most patients are able to tolerate higher ambient temperatures for approximately an hour. However, after sweating begins, it is impossible to add more heat to the body, and the stored heat is quickly lost through evaporation. Operational Challenges Nurses also should be aware of several operational challenges that can make successful pre-warming difficult to achieve. The core body temperatures of unanesthetized individuals change very little, if at all, in response to warming. So measuring the patient's core temperature is not an effective method to determine whether the amount of pre-warming is sufficient. Perioperative nurses can establish confidence in the sufficiency of pre-warming when they address the five requirements previously listed. For example, sufficient coverage, prevention of sweating. Time and distance between intervention and effect. Although perioperative personnel usually perform pre-warming in the preoperative area, the patient does not experience the desired effect until after entering the OR and undergoing anesthesia induction. This means that it is likely that personnel who are responsible for pre-warming will not receive any feedback about failure or success of the pre-warming effort. However, they should continue to pre-warm patients as indicated. Thermal discomfort. Forcing excess heat into the peripheral thermal compartment can produce thermal discomfort. Therefore, pre-warming may conflict with a preoperative nurse's goal of ensuring patient comfort. Perioperative nurses should share the goals of pre-warming with patients and may need to explain that slight discomfort is necessary to achieve perioperative normothermia. Nursing Considerations Nurses should consider the type of warming system and time available for pre-warming. Warming systems have different heat transfer rates and insulating values, and these differences are important to consider during pre-warming. A variety of active warming devices that transfer heat at different peak rates, for example, full body blanket, lower body blanket, gown, may be available in the preoperative area. These products can transfer heat at peak rates, that is, 30 minutes of pre-warming when set at the highest setting with an initial skin temperature of 36 degrees Celsius, 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit, of approximately 25, 9, and 20 watts, respectively. In general, pre-warming systems should be deployed so that the greatest amount of body area is covered and operated at the highest power that the patient can tolerate. When determining which warming device to use, Nurses should consider the possibility of the device becoming rapidly intolerable for the patient when used on a high setting for pre-warming and resulting in a counterproductive patient experience. The use of passive insulation, for example, blankets, sheets, duvets, to cover skin surface areas not covered by the active warming therapy also is important because passive insulation prevents heat loss. Regardless of the type of warming system selected, The device's operating temperature, the time available for the therapy, and the amount of passive insulation, perioperative personnel should monitor the patient to prevent the onset of sweating, because heat losses during sweating greatly exceed the capacity of any warming system. Because pre-warming does not usually change an awake patient's core temperature, 
monitoring consists of simply asking the patient about generalized sweating or feeling the patient's skin for the presence of sweat. Conclusion Although core body temperature is rigidly controlled, slight changes can result in substantial disability and morbidity. During surgery, the action of anesthetics on peripheral vasomotor tone can result in the redistribution of warm blood from the core thermal compartment into the cooler peripheral thermal compartment. Subsequent redistribution and heat loss can exceed metabolic heat production before re-establishment of heat balance. Because pre-warming can mitigate intraoperative hypothermia, perioperative nurses should be aware of the goals of pre-warming. When determining which warming device to use, nurses should consider the possibility of the device becoming rapidly intolerable to the patient when used on a high setting, which may result in a negative and counterproductive patient experience. Perioperative nurses should monitor patients to prevent the onset of sweating and use passive insulation to minimize heat loss during patient transport to the OR.